Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch Podcast. I'm Matt. I am your host. With me this week are my fantastic co-hosts, Liz Harper and Joe Perez. Uh, we got a fair amount of things to talk about on the show tonight. One of those things, however, is kind of site businessy, and it's something that, as editor-in-chief, uh, Liz is unfortunately forced to tell you about, uh, which means that she has to talk a lot right now, which is unfortunate uh. for her, but I get to drink. So... <laughs> um. So yeah, we've been having Blizzard Watch has been having a rough time of things lately. We uh, changed ad partners over the summer uh, because our previous ad partner wasn't serving ads anymore, and uh, that that hurt us a lot. Our Patreon support has dropped to its lowest level ever at about thirty one hundred dollars a month, and uh, we had been supporting that with advertising. Advertising had been making that up, but our new ad providers just aren't cutting it. And so we are asking you if you can step in and help. And I understand not everyone can jump onto Patreon and throw money at us. Not everyone has money to throw around, but we do need funds now. We have, we're currently looking for new ad partners. We're investigating putting ads on the podcast. I know all of you probably enjoy the podcast being ad free. And we have had some trouble finding ads for the podcast because we're like not quite big enough to get the attention of big ad networks, but we're working on it. And uh, if we could get ads on the podcast, that would really help us keep doing podcasts. But we are asking everyone if they can help us get our Patreon back up. We would love to get to $5,000 a month, which sounds like a huge number. It is a huge number. But with the way our ad revenue has dropped, that's kind of what we need to get back to where we were. We have made some pretty significant cuts to content just in the past week so that we can stabilize the site and keep it running. Because if we kept going as we were, we we couldn't. We just, we couldn't. The money's not there. Uh, <laughs> now, now I get into the depressing part because I, I have taken a 50% pay cut. We have no other editors doing any editing. All of the editors, uh, I got to tell them last week that we cannot pay for editing anymore. I'm the only one editing posts. Um, and we have a strict post count limit that we have to hit. We're aiming for doing 100 posts a month. That uh, includes the podcast, which uh, Matt and Joe both get paid for. So this is, you're listening to two posts right now of our 100 posts a month. And uh, uh, yeah, it's it's very difficult for us right now. And we're we're trying our best to keep things going and keep the site going, but it's it's a real bad situation. We're mm-hmm. trying to find we're doing our best to get out of it. We're we've already possibly identified a good ad provider that we're trying to switch over to. Right now we just we just uh that came up this afternoon that we may have a good match for that and over the next uh couple of weeks we'll be kind of experimenting with ads on the site and uh, if we can get a good ad provider that would really help. And we're, we're, we're doing what we can, but the, the site is not doing great right now. And we have done some pretty significant cuts, which are really rough, really rough for all of us right before the holiday season. But we really had, we did not have a choice. It was do something like this or do something even more drastic and let the site go away completely. I mean, that's how bad it is that that's, you know, on the table, potentially. Uh, 
But right now, the plan is to keep things going at uh, maybe a slightly lower level. If we don't get anything at all, we can keep the site going, but it's going to be fewer posts. It's going to be no editorial staff except me doing twice the work for half pay. It's great. I love it. <laughs> I'm, I am really hopeful we can turn things around. I'd love to turn things around, and I, I'm confident that we can't. I just don't know how fast we can do it. I don't know how much we can do it. I don't know if we're going to get back to where we were before, or, or if we're just going to get... Yeah. If we want to get past yeah. where we were before and expand and do new stuff that you guys have told yeah. us you want us to do, that this is something that we're going to need your help with. And we can't, yeah. can't do it by ourselves. Go, Joe. If you want to help us, and, and and we know that you do, and if you love our content, you're listening to us. If you're listening to the recording of this, not in the early release because you're not a Patreon supporter, please consider doing so. We have a, a, a few tiers available to you, and, and I want to make sure that we make that clear. For $3 a month, just mm-hmm. $3, less than a cost of a cup of coffee from Starbucks, uh, you get early access to all of our podcasts, and you get the Blizzard Watch podcast pre-show content, the Tavern Watch podcast and the Lore Watch podcast the day after they're recorded. And these are labors of love for us, and we want to make sure that we can continue to do those for you. And we know that you love them. We get lots of people that listen to them, that that communicate that to us. Consider maybe joining at that $3 tier. It doesn't sound like a lot, but if, you know, 100 people do it, that's 300 extra bucks a month for us. And that helps, right? Uh, For $5 a month, in addition to the podcast benefits, you get to an ads-free site experience, which, you know, that's great, too. And if you can afford that, that's even better. At $10 a month, you get all the previous benefits, and you get access to view the staff-only chat channel on Discord, which is a behind-the-scenes look at how we make content, as well as how we interact with each other in, in, you know, there's sometimes some really funny things happen that are inside jokes that some folks get to be in on because we do it in staff chat. Um, uh, and it's it's always fun to s- chat with supporters who are reading staff chat and go back and forth with them. Absolutely. And, and if you can't support us or you're already supporting us financially, I cannot stress, and I, and I say this on the podcast a lot, how important it is to share our content and, in this particular case, share our plea for help. Um we want to keep doing this. We don't want to go away. I want to make sure Liz doesn't have a heart attack. Um, I want to make us, I want to make sure we can get back to where I we were I want to make before. sure Liz isn't sitting around telling me that she's going to be eating ramen. Maybe that as well. Yeah, no, no. The, the amount of work Liz does for this site, she should at least know she's got ramen to go home to for bleep's well, sake. You know, I, I have ramen to go home to as long as I pull money out of savings to buy ramen. So that's, I mean, that's the situation that some of us are in. I mean, not all of us here rely on the site for a significant portion of our income, but some of us do. Matt and I, in particular, rely yeah. on the site for a significant part of our portion of income. And so these cuts, uh, they hurt. They hurt. And uh, we're trying to we're trying to figure out how to keep Blizzard Watch alive and also keep ourselves alive. Both of those things combined would be amazing. I'm yeah, super be, into that. It would be really nice if I don't have to get accelerate the robot body plan because you know I've, I'm still using this one. Mm-hmm. Granted, I don't know why, uh, but regardless, seriously, now I'm going to step aside from my ironic detachment for a moment. Uh, this is you know for for Liz and myself and for Joe even, uh, this is something we've been doing on and off and sometimes off for a bit and sometimes on for a long time for like well over almost a decade and a half to two decades now. I think it actually is almost up to I've, two decades. 
I've been doing this since 2006. And so yeah, Liz is Liz is going to get hit the two decade mark in two years. I'll be hitting it the year after that. And Joe, I think, came on not too long after me. Yeah, I was still in college when I started doing stuff with the site, yeah. and I'm old now. <laughs> I, I I would oh, love boy. to continue to be able. I would love to be able to continue to do it. And you guys can make that difference. It, it's and, really unfortunately. It's and, and and again, we are trying to do everything we can from our side to supplement that. We don't want you to think that we're we're just relying solely on you guys, but you guys are the bulk of the help, right? You, you lift us up. The site wouldn't have existed in the first place without mm-hmm. your support. And yeah, we just need a little bit more of it. Can't see I, us, but I'm I, nodding. <laughs> I do want to stress that the site is not going away, but we are, uh, we've reined in our content a great deal. Uh, and you know, some of us, have to are going to have to spend time doing other things to make ends meet because Blizzard Watch, uh, we can't give as much time to Blizzard Watch right now. So things are going to be scaled down a little bit in the coming weeks. You're going to see fewer features, especially. And uh, I do plan on keeping up all the podcasts. Still going to do Blizzard Watch podcast. Still going to do Lore Watch podcast. And for those of you who enjoy it, I'm trying to budget in two TTRPG podcasts a month. We haven't been hitting that number, but I think we're going to try. I think we all really enjoy doing those. And I think it's a good a good expansion of our content. I think it's content that we have readers and listeners who enjoy. So I want to do a little more of that. Uh, but yeah, it's rough. We're, we're working on ads to help support us. But if you can help support us, that means so much to us. If you could even like this podcast, review this podcast, share this podcast with friends you think might enjoy it. Or share our plea for help with people who you think might enjoy the site and enjoy some of the benefits we offer. All of those things help. And even if you can't do either of those, we really appreciate the moral support. <laughs> we could we could all use moral support. Mm-hmm. Moral support is great. I love it. So thank you for listening to this, uh, you know, kind of not very exciting start of the podcast. And uh, thanks for being here. I am so glad to be on this crazy ride with you, Matt and Joe, and all of our listeners here. You are great. You keep us going. Thank you. Okay. Uh, I think at this point we're going to move on and actually talk about stuff that isn't this sad for us. Um, But I I wanted to basically uh, say thanks as well. And I'm sure Joe does as well. Uh, So I'll let Joe say it if he wants. No, I, I have expressed my love for the site, the people I work with, but also the community. Um, some of the one of the more recent fun moments that came up and I just want to share this like it was somebody walked into the shop that I'm at uh when to buy some Lorcana cards and he listens to the podcast and he walked in and he just had this sly look on his face like hey are you Joe and we talked and you know <laughs> it was it was nice to see somebody in the wild that like enjoyed the content um because we're not just faceless people right and you aren't either meeting you guys interacting with with all of you it's a highlight of my week it really makes me happy um and i just want to keep doing that and thank you for the opportunity to even do that to begin with yeah i'm a little choked up right uh anyway uh let's talk about demons or something come on let's yeah we're gonna uh, talk about the various little news things that we have to talk about um First one I'm going to mention actually is something I stumbled upon today uh, th- that I didn't know. I don't know how I managed not to know this because it's right mm. in my wheelhouse to know it. But if you're playing a Draenei, uh, patch 10.2 last week uh, re- I... int- introduced a quest where you can basically get a Monary Eridar skin for your Draenei. Wasn't, wasn't 
maybe Joe can remember this here. Wasn't that in patch 10.1.7? They, so. they said it was for this, uh, but, but regardless, that's been out for a while. Recent. I didn't know about it, so I'm mentioning it. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Because I wanted to mention it. Boom. There you go. Uh, meanwhile, Amardrezel, the raid, opens today, both in Normal Hard, Normal Heroic, and Mythic, and Raid Finder 1, all today. Uh, so apparently the days of Mythic that come in the week after are just gone forever. I was really surprised and that Elfire released week one, and I forgot it did. I was super yeah. happy about that, actually. Yeah, Elfire is releasing a lot more quickly than usual. I think that's really cool. I mean, LFR is still a little slower than the other content, but it used to be you would get LFR and then you would get new wings of LFR every two weeks. So like everyone had already cleared normal and heroic by the time the last wing of LFR even was available. Well, yeah, and I mean, na- looking at this list you sent, uh, mm-hmm. the next three weeks, basically we're getting uh, Raid Finder difficulty uh, again next week, next Tuesday, uh, wing two will open, then wing three the, the week after that. And then a couple week break, and then December twelfth will be the final raid. It'd be basically the the end boss encounter. So that yeah, that's yeah. pretty that's really fast for Raid Finder. Raid Finder used to take like two three weeks between. Yeah, it used to take two or three months to roll out all of Raid Finder, and I think it's great that they're putting this out quicker quicker than usual because it lets more casual players jump in there and experience the encounters and see the story. I think that's great. I agree. Uh, I just I think it is. It's also interesting because. Combined with the fact that Mythic is rolling out at the same time, like both Mythic and Raid Finder 1 are rolling out at the mm-hmm. same time, it's mm-hmm. compressing it on every level. Like we used to have Normal and Heroic, and then next week it would be Mythic. I think Raid Finder 1 was that same week, mm. but then it would be like two or three weeks, and then again, and then finally, like it, like you said before, two to three months to actually get all of, of Raid Finder yeah, released. Yeah, it took forever. Yeah, and now it'll be by the mid-December. Uh, I don't know how much of this is because Christmas is right in the middle of that. Hmm. Um, but considering that Thanksgiving is in this month and they don't seem to be particularly concerned about that, who knows? Uh, I definitely do think it's it's fascinating to see them like just accelerate everything like they have throughout this expansion. This entire expansion has just been fast, fast, fast. Um, sometimes a little too fast, quite frankly. But yeah, that, that is nuts. That is nuts. Uh, Joe, Liz, anything else you want to say about it before we move on? Um, well, Amir Drasil is also launching with Dragonflight Season 3, which goes live 
today with a today as we're recording this. So if you're listening to this, you're already in the future and Amir Drasil is here with Dragonflight Season 3. That means a new PvP season, a new Mythic Plus rotation, and um, I was going somewhere. I was going somewhere with that in my you head. Miss, and now it's all you gone. mentioned the rotation for the Mythics, right? Yes, uh, the new Mythic Plus rotation. Oh, and there's a there's a new world boss. I think that have either of y'all had a chance to check out the world boss today? No, I saw. In fact, I saw your email mentioning him, and I had not thought about it. Uh, I was like, oh, I, right, there is one. He's he's Orostar the Hibernator, and his his the concept here is that you know he's supposed to be asleep, but Firek has invaded the Emerald Dream and woken him up, and now he's annoyed because we woke him up early, and I'm like. Yeah, so basically, he's that. me every day at 630. I completely understand that. And yeah, basically, we, we go in there and hit him until he goes back to sleep. That's that's like the raid encounter. I, I shouldn't say the raid encounter. He's an outdoor world boss. Someone's going to have to put a, a gif of Tony Stark in the armor going, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep. And cut <laughs> to the poor bear monster going, oh, stop hitting me. <laughs> Uh, also, it has uh, it has a mechanic that you can avoid by jumping up and down repeatedly to keep a debuff off you. And I I love jumping. Jumping is great. So uh, I'm all for that. Except of course I have more cast time heals this raid tier, so I don't. Maybe I won't like that as much as usual. Uh, but it sounds a lot of fun. He's out in the Emerald Dream live now. You can uh, go put a, a giant bear monster who's trying to kill you back to sleep. Why not? I just now I'm like. There's so many things that 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 I need as memes now. <laughs> like I need a just a picture. I need a like a video of people fighting this guy and doing the jump, and then you hear that trill from House of Pain, and you're jump, jump, jump. You know the you know the one, <laughs> Joe. You know yes. this one, right? I do. Yes. Yeah. So I need that. I need Tony Stark punching this poor bear into the face. Is, is he a bear or a tree? I can't remember. He's um like a a wild god of. Okay, I'm gonna have to look this up. Aerostore the Hibernator. He is the Furbolg Furbolg Wild God. Interesting. So not Ursok or Ursol. He's he's like a a tree rock bear thing. Interesting. Doesn't that feel like a little bit... Like the statue from from Dionysus. I was just thinking of that. The the rocky bear with the tree growing out of its back. Yep. He does kind of have a tree growing out of his back. So... hmm? He kind of has like a like a leaf mohawk going down his back. He does. All I can think of now is the words respect. respect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is what the day's like. That's bear mohawks. Shut up, fool! <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> going back a few years on that one, we have the night I elf think mohawk I, now. I think I still have night elf night elf mohawk bombs in my bag. <laughs> like I legitimately think I still do from that that Mr. T weird cross promotion. I'm a night elf mohawk. Like I still remember that. Oh my gosh, I'm old. I'm gonna go crumble into the dust. Let me know if you guys need me just to like, kick the pile. I told you not to drink from that chalice. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if you're crumbling into dust, we're also crumbling into dust, so we should do it together. <laughs> if the power of friendship it's, will help us crumble into dust. <laughs> I mean, I mean it, but at the same time, I'd rather not crumble into dust if we can avoid it. But we should mention we're gonna we should switch on to this one because it is coming soon, and I think people should be talking about it because I've been thinking about it constantly. Uh, WoW Classics Season of Discovery is coming out on the thirtieth of November. Mm-hmm. I am obsessed with this thing. 
And I can't <laughs> tell if I like the idea or not. Like sometimes my thoughts are super interested and, and like, wow, I want to try that. Sometimes my thoughts are like, they can't possibly recreate that feeling of exploration that we once had. And it's like so much about this thing is new and untested. And it's like, it is the biggest experiment they've ever done with wow classics since they started it. Um, hmm. If they weren't going to do a, a, like a, a departure in lore, which I don't think they were ever going to do doing yeah. a departure in game mechanics like this is, is a huge deal. Well, like Liz has pointed out on multiple occasions. Go ahead, Joe. I, I think it's interesting because one of the things, and I was thinking about this since we, we talked about the season of the discovery uh, part of the charm of vanilla. Wow. And I'm not saying classic, I'm saying vanilla here when it first released, when it was out in the wild and everything was new and shiny, it wasn't just exploring the world. Uh, largely it was figuring out what the hell we were doing because there wasn't a game guide for all this stuff there. Like there was, but it was like from Brady and it was weird. And like, I think I still have a copy of it somewhere because I got it free when I bought the game or whatever. Um, but it didn't really tell you what everything did. And because the game was a living entity in, in evolving constantly with patches and updates and balance changes, everything evolved with you and you had to sort of figure out what was going on or look to the community to figure it out. And it did two things. It, it added to that sense of discovery and sort of wonder and exploration. Uh, and then it added to this whole community feeling that brought us together because we would all crowd to blogs and sites and, 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 you know, message boards. And I still remember hitting up other shaman on PHPP message boards and, you know, doing the math stuff and figuring out what we had to do for stuff. Um, yeah, like this this season of discovery is sort of giving me that same vibe. How the hell is uh mage healing going to work? No idea. We're going to figure it out together though. Like it it's it's a kind of really a rad feeling. And I'm I'm kind of here for it. Like this alone will get me to install and play classic. Yeah, it, it's one of those weird things. Uh Liz, the, uh, the interesting thing here is that more than any version of World of Warcraft, Classic is the game we all know everything about. Yeah. There's, you know, up to this point, there's been no new content to retread. I mean, they've done things differently here and there. They've changed things, but there hasn't been anything new. We, so that was one of the things about Classic. The first time you played Vanilla WoW, there was a real sense of wonder and discovery exploring this massive grand world around you and just seeing what was there because you didn't know you had no idea what was around every quarter now we know everything <laughs> everything we have burned into our memories the location of flight paths what's here what's there turn right turn left that's embedded in our mind the best paths through dungeons the best paths through mythic plus the how boss strategies, raid strategies, all of that is stuck in our head. We've learned I can't that. Go to the barons without instinctively going to where Mancrick's wife is. <laughs> She's not even there anymore. And and even for new content in World of Warcraft, we see patch notes, we see data mining, we we go over everything we can see with a fine tooth comb to like eke out every little bit of information and learn everything we can even before it's released. And so when you log on, there's that sense of wonder is gone. And classic has, you know, classic is an experience of its own. Nothing wrong with it. 
lots of people prefer that style of gameplay, and that's cool that they can play it. But that sense of wonder never came back because we know everything. We know everything. And I am fascinated at how they're trying to restore this kind of sense of wonder and exploration to the game. I think it's going to be amazing. Didn't you mention, like, when we first started talking about the original season of Mastery stuff, Mm -hmm. you mentioned that one of the things they did that was fascinating to you was that they added new mechanics to fights. Yeah. And that was something we hadn't seen in a long time. So people were actually Mm -hmm. going into Neltharia not knowing, like, will this be super hard? Will we not know what to do? Or will we kill it in 20 minutes? Oh, 20 minutes? Okay. But at least there was some uncertainty there, which they hadn't had in forever. Yeah. So I... I mean, WoW Classic has gone from the no changes mindset to some changes mindset to let's throw the book out and do season of discovery mindset. Uh, and I, I think it's really interesting to revisit this old content, this old world in new ways. And I have played some classic. I haven't played a lot of classic. I do know I do have a surprising number of friends who are playing hardcore and enjoying it. Yeah, but Season of Discovery, I'm I'm going to be in Wild Classic. I need to find a guild. Does anyone know a good guild that's playing Season of Discovery? Because I, I need friends. Yeah, I don't personally, but um, I'm sure somebody in the comments could, in the comments of the comments of the podcast. It's like, I, I, I ask for friends and there's dead silence. So yeah. sad. Email us and tell us where we can go <laughs> to make some friends. <laughs> Email podcast at blizzardwatch.com. <laughs> subject line, Liz needs a guild and, and lay it on it. Because she would like a guild so she can talk to people while she right. plays the game. Which I think everybody should be able to do if that's what they want. Mm-hmm. I mean, my my actual Warcraft guild may object to that. But I don't know how many people are going to play. And to do all this oh, new yeah. content, you're going to need a group. You're going to need a raid. Sure, if a bunch of your friends from your current guild sh- you know, decide, hey, we're going to do it too, then fine. That solves the problem. Mm-hmm. But if not, yeah. you know, always worth having another option. Uh, let's see what else we could be talking about. We talked about a merger cell. We talked about that. Um, I think we should talk about the showdown in the Badlands expansion for Hearthstone because that's coming out soon. If I'm... It's live. It's okay, live so, right now. So very soon, extremely soon yes. and or possibly yes. in the past. It's, it's so soon that it happened slightly in the past. And uh, for people listening to this, that means it happened farther in the past than it happened for us. Yeah, that I think that makes sense um live today it comes with two new keywords there is the quick draw keyword which is uh gives cards an extra effect if you play them on the turn that you draw them so uh this is a going to be a really interesting one particularly with like discover cards so you could discover a card and if it's a quick draw card you slam it down on that same turn and you get a big bonus Most of these quick draw cards are, you know, they're kind of average cards. But if you trigger the quick draw effect, they turn into really good cards. Um, So that's going to be really fun to play around with. And there is also the excavate keyword, which is basically you're digging for treasure. You're digging for treasure with excavate. So you play a card with excavate and you... That's literally it. You dig for a treasure, and when you play your first card with Excavate, you dig for a tier one treasure, which, you know, you're okay. You know, who's going to say no to treasure? Things with cool effects. You play another one, you get a tier two treasure. You play another one, you get a tier three treasure. So on and so forth. Getting uh, getting access to a random selection of treasures that are increasingly powerful and cool and useful. So I, I think these are a couple of interesting ones that have 
lots of interesting gameplay possibilities. So I have not gotten a chance to play yet myself, but I am looking forward to it. Um, I know recently we talked a lot about Battleground duos at BlizzCon, but that's not coming out for a while longer. Uh, sometime next year is all we know on that one. So we're talking about Hearthstone, but the Battleground stuff is still further down the line. Okay. Um, this one I'm going to talk about because I feel like people are expecting us to talk about it. And if we don't talk about it, we'll get kind of weird looks. I had forgotten about it, but Liz reminded me. So here we go. Uh, Fantastic Pixel Castle has been created, which is a game studio started by uh, Greg Ghostcrawler Street. Um, if you remember him, he was he was the big narrative director of, of the League of Legends MMO that was coming out. I think he was just the overall Grand Hypuba of it. But yeah. uh, before that, he was on World of Warcraft for a long time, uh, at least until like what Cataclysm? Uh, so, no, uh, it was past Cataclysm. So yeah, he was on. He was he was there for a long time. He's he is the one that promised us a pony and yeah. decided he was nerfing paladins to the ground, as they say. Yes. Which I I still remember fondly. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Fondly? Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> but regardless, yeah. Um. So there's also a lot of other people from Blizzard going over there, including um. Oh heck, I've spoken to her a million times. Uh. I've I've actually talked to her in person, and I can't remember her name. Candace. Thank ah, you, Candace. Candace Thomas. Uh, she's the person who, um, among other things, she did a lot of encounter design for both World of Warcraft and Diablo 4 before leaving to go to mm -hmm. Amazon. And then I think she was at uh, Riot for a while, and now she's going over to, to Fantastic Pixel Castle with Ghostcrawler. Um, I know there's a couple other people whose names I would I would totally be able to remember if I could remember them, but unfortunately. Uh, well, one of them is Brian Holinka, which Thank you. I think anyone mm -hmm. who has I've, played World of Warcraft knows that one. I've actually also met him in person. Um, That's so, yeah. And he's then, he was the PvP designer for a while, and then he was the. I remember he was specifically like in counter fights for a while, wasn't he? Uh, or combat in general? Kind of bounced around because that's yeah. what they needed at the time. Yeah, so he's he's been he's been on quite a few things that we would have heard of, and uh, yeah, it's it's interesting because and Liz, you pointed this out in a work chat, so I'm going <laughs> to throw it to you to talk about it a little bit. But this is a game that is almost like ahead of itself in terms of where it's actual existence versus the hype, like where they're hyping the game that they haven't even really, as far as they have, they're telling us they haven't even done anything on it yet. And they're hyping it. So I mean, talk about it. They, they've done some design ideas, but this is, this is a fascinating thing they're trying to do, which is they're designing a new MMO with complete transparency. They are sharing everything with the community they want our opinions. They want to know what we think. Uh, and even they did a, a, a live stream answering questions. It's like they don't even have a game game yet. They don't have much to show us. There's a little bit of concept art, but that's it. Um, and they're they're already saying, okay, what do you want? What would you like to see in an MMO? What would you like to see us develop? There, there's a lot of that from the get-go, and they apparently plan to keep that going. To to be just incredibly interactive with the community and take feedback early. So that's that's a pretty different kind of design philosophy than we see from any other game. Can you think of another game that tries to do this? I mean, uh, oddly enough, and I think Joe can back me up on this, Baldur's Gate 3 oh yeah, 100%. did this because they literally iterated on the game to, uh, in open mm -hmm. access. I think I think also to agree, Final Fantasy fourteen does as well, or at least mm -hmm. has in the past. So mm -hmm. 
uh, but yeah, they're they're doing this kind of transparency and listening to the community very very early. The game is uh, codenamed Ghost, and it's uh, they well, haven't. It's the world that they're say. in, right? Like that the world is called Ghost, or at least that's what they're saying with the promo material. So like the game itself doesn't I, have a name, but it, that they're calling I, it Ghost. They're, they're literally working on it under the code name of Ghost. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's basically like there's a shattered world. There are these islands. There are blue islands and red islands. And okay, I forget the color coding on these islands. But one of them is going to have kind of your traditional MMO content. And one of them sounds almost like kind of a open world building survival simulator where you can just go and do stuff and do your own thing and have a small population on your little island and kind of explore and have fun. I'm sorry, they- you have Red Islands and Green Islands, I immediately think of magic. <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. They uh, they talked about the game having 50 classes. And I'm like... Yeah, I think it's going to be closer to like how jobs are in like um, Final mm-hmm. Fantasy because there's a lot of jobs. There's a lot of jobs. Mm-hmm. And a lot of specializations, which are technically classes. So so it's just, it's very interesting. And practically everything they answered a question on when they revealed this was like, but tell us what you think. This could change. Tell us what you think. And that's that's a far cry from developers who are very secretive, who don't want you to know anything, who reveal their decisions and are like, okay, this is the best game design decision. And this is what we're doing, no matter what players say or how it works out. I'm going to be real interested to see how they handle the feedback because mm-hmm. there is there is merits to the transparency. And I really like that we're seeing something new, uh, especially mm-hmm. because they're, they're, again, trying to craft a game that players want to play. That's great. But the question yeah. is how they're going to sift through everything that they're getting back, because yeah. there is a problem when you design things by committee. If, ev- you know, if, if, if you're throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks, Sometimes it lacks that cohesive, uh, I don't want to say cohesive design, but sort of like it, it feels almost directionless. It has too many things, not enough purpose. So I'm really curious how they parse through the things that people are giving or potentially giving as this is stuff we'd want. Thank mm-hmm. you, Red Vision. Uh, yeah, so I am, I am a little concerned about this design philosophy being basically does taking this much community feedback does going into your first announcement of the game and saying, tell us what you think, we could change this. Does that mean you're really abdicating responsibility for designing the game yourself? Are you, like, design choices have to be made. 
And the player base does not always have the full data to make the best decisions. Like, I could log into World of Warcraft today and I could say, oh, I'm playing a Holy Paladin and wow, Holy Paladins really suck now because we've got these nerfs. That's smart, is That's smart, is We got we to we hold on to that. That's you and me tomorrow. We got we to gotta wait. <laughs> but, you know, I could log on and go into the raid and be like, oh my gosh, my experience sucks. I'm healing so little. This is terrible. It must be the problem with the class and I need buffs. You know, that... That's the, actually, that's a really common player experience. You're looking at it from your perspective and think, wow, it's a problem with my class and I need buffs when actually most of the healers need buffs right now. That's just how it is. There is one thing I will say, though, about with this being Ghost Crawler's project. And mm-hmm. when he was still with WoW, he would routinely talk with players, not just high end mythic rating players. He would routinely ask for feedback from people that were doing different types of content. Uh, and some of that stuff got turned into things that we saw in game. That's where spirit link totem came from. As an example, that's where some of the set bonuses came from was stuff that he was interacting with players. And these were things that were like, okay, these are things that they clearly want, but here's how it fits in. He applied a vision or, and the team that he was working with applied a vision with that data that they got from there. Now, if that's what mm-hmm. they're doing, I have I have a little bit of faith at least in that where I you mean, know if that's the philosophy they're going with okay I just want to I want to see something concrete and I'm really excited for that I like the base concept of islands floating in space and random stuff happening and having fifty different specializations yeah okay <laughs> I will say this too uh, Greg is the mind behind Transmog mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. he built that system he did the UI even. Uh, he didn't do all of it, but he was he was involved in, in a lot of that. And we all know that that I I would kill for transmog. If if anyone hurt transmog, I would kill everybody in this room and then myself. Um, that, that's my reference of the day. Uh, but regardless, transmog up to the point like I was I remember exchanging uh, twitters with him, tweets at, at, with him about when they switched. They finally made pole arms usable with two handers. He literally said, "Rossi here," and I was like, "Ah." <laughs> So, yeah, I think he does listen to the community and he does listen to feedback and he does tend to apply his own judgment, uh, which can be great. Uh, usually it's it's pretty great and sometimes not. I mean, because everybody's human. Not everybody agrees with everything you do. So I, I, I kind of I'm cautiously optimistic. I, I just want to not feel as much as I do right now like this is Torg the MMO. And if you know what Torg is, you'll know why I'm a little apprehensive. Yeah, that's a yeah. really, that's a really, I mean, the people who understand that reference, yeah, that's apt. So you were saying, Liz, I'm sorry. Uh, I do think this is a team of super experienced game designers and developers. So while I am concerned that are they taking too much feedback, these are experienced people who know how to make video games that are super fun. And I I hope this works out. This seems like, a, a kind of wild experiment that they're doing, kind of designing an MMO live instead of coming out and saying, this is what our game is. They're saying, this is what we're yeah, thinking about doing. It does have a game jam kind of feel, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah it does. It does. It's, it's fascinating to watch. And I hope it turns out into to be a really fun game. I'm a little concerned, but it is, it's fascinating. I'm here for it. So yeah, that that's happening. And we really, it was worth talking about, I believe. Um, Oh, we already covered Star. Okay, I don't have to worry about that. Yeah. I'm going to talk about this one, although I think we'll probably talk more about it if we do a a, a, a gaming, uh, a tabletop gaming podcast mm-hmm, this week, mm-hmm. which we would like to do. Um, 
the Diablo TTRPG was announced at BlizzCon. I, we didn't talk about it too much at the time because it was kind of like, huh? We don't know anything. Then, yeah, we don't know anything. Yeah. And we know a little bit more now. Like, we now know who's doing it because they announced that mm-hmm. at BlizzCon just kind of quietly. Um, and they're, they're, um, it's, it's the same guys that make the Dying Light and uh, I forget what the other game, board game that they de- de- adapt. Um, it's not Dark Souls because it's a different company. Uh, but Dying Light and Frostpunk, uh, they, they're do, they do the board games for those. And one Glass, other name that's actually huge. Glass Cannon Unplugged? Yes, Glass Cannon Unplugged. Yep. They're the ones Apex them. Legends. Yes, they're doing the Apex Legends board game, which I, I don't think they've ever done a TTRPG before, but they're also doing the Diablo board game at the same time. So at least one of the games they're working on is in their wheelhouse. And it's not like tabletop and board games do share things. Uh, they're not the same, but they do share some mechanics and so forth. Uh, I'm curious to see what they do here. Um, as Joe has pointed out a lot of times, this is not the first time that Diablo has had a TTRPG. Yeah, I still have the first one on my, my shelf. I think you do too. Yeah. yeah, I do. I still have it. Um, but it is the first time they're coming up with their own system. Previously, they used yes. D&D. Um, and this time, they're coming up with their own system. That in and of itself is interesting to me. It's also interesting to me is that it's not a, it's not a Diablo 4 game mm-hmm. or a Diablo 2 game. It's a Diablo game. Mm-hmm. You could set your campaign, and I'm anyone running a Diablo campaign. I want to talk to you. You're interesting, <laughs> uh, but you could set your campaign in periods of time that have just never really been dealt with. Like you could set it during the period of time where the Nephilim existed, and if you wanted to have a really weird Diablo meets Exalted kind of game, you could play the yeah. ancients. Imagine playing so both cool. of Yeah, and that's possible with just because of what they're doing, or. You could do one during the time that Rakis was trying to get to that city and find out what happened to the Nephilim. Like, why did the, the emperor of the, of Kedjistan suddenly decide I'm done. I'm going to, I'm going to like send this guy over to uh, Westmarch. And then that guy that he sent over to Westmarch basically ran away from his throne in Westmarch as soon as he could to go North and try and find the, 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 the Nephilim. There's a lot of, stuff you could do the, the the gap between diablo 3 and diablo 4 you can literally tell any story you want you can you can yeah. not even follow the canon of uh of the games that we've had so far depending on where like what they give you as far as your narrative depth the yeah. thing the yeah. thing i'm going to be interested in is how they handle the combat one of the hmm. the things we talk about a lot and we at least matt and i do uh is combat in rpgs can be a very dense like swamp of a thing um mm-hmm. navigating it can take time you especially if you have more than four or five characters uh involved at any point in time there are ways to speed it up and tricks to do that but it almost always is a massive endeavor diablo has a very specific sort of combat feel that i think people will expect with the name which is yeah, uh, fast-paced hard-hitting combat an RPG to look at for a good idea of what I think a Diablo a Diablo combat system should feel like is the powered by Lumen engine yeah. that's used in games like Light because it is designed with stuff like ultimates and big chained moves. It it is designed for like Overwatch and Diablo style gameplay. Mm-hmm. Like it is designed for that. I think you need to really design. I've never felt like I felt horrified. When playing Diablo, I felt like, oh, oh, wow, this is awful. I've never felt helpless because my character can literally mm. blow up waves of demons. <laughs> and that's been the case going back to D2. Like with the right build, you could blow up a bunch of demons. Diablo 1 was a bit more sedate. 
It was a lot of just walking up to some demons and hitting them with things or, or going firebolt, firebolt, firebolt. But from Diablo 2 on, Diablo has been infamous for that kind of frenetic, high stakes, high risk, high reward, you know, gear dependent, exploding everything gameplay. And I do think Joe's right. That has to be there. That has to be part of this. You, and I think, you can't. And I think you're right with Lumen because like Lumen has games that are like anime based or like mecha based or like uh, I I have Wizards of the Wild West, which is, you know, an action adventure shooter of the weird West type stuff. Like all that stuff is very fast paced and at least the combats are very quick. Right. And if they can nail that, I think that's going to go a long way. The, The 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 moody nature of it, the storytelling and everything else that if you have a sufficient love of Diablo, like Matt said, if you're running a Diablo game, I have no doubt you're going to nail the aesthetic. I got you. You're probably going to get that. Okay. Uh, but if the combat is easy to, to throw in and, and sort of have it be punctuation, because that's kind of what Diablo does. Diablo is an action RPG, but at least in Diablo four combat is sort of a punctuation to story, right? Like mm. if they can nail something similar to that, because I mean, it's even like that in Diablo two, uh, Diablo three is a little more fast paced, but if they can capture even a little bit of that feeling, they'll, they'll have a, a wild success on their hands. I had someone once describe it as Diablo two is very much like a seventies horror movie, like the, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre or the Hills have eyes where the violence serves almost as chapter. Yeah. It's the chapter bookends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Diablo three is a, it's a, it's a grind core song or, hmm. or huh. an action, you know, or it's just uh a Rob Zombie Dragula remix with like a video uh, just cut scenes from like clips of action scenes from other games. That's, that's Diablo three. It's just constant. You know, it just goes, <laughs> you just get off the chain and go smash everything. Uh, and Diablo four kind of takes the, the frenetic combat pace from Diablo three slows it down a little and adds in the complexity of of games like say dark souls or diablo 2 but it also has the narrative beats that really work in diablo 4 are the ones that initiate story or the ones that just are are like you know woman out in the in the world and you're as you're walking by she's talking to her dead husband about how she can't sleep anymore because he didn't she can't hear his snoring and she misses it yeah so there's there's a lot i'm i am excited for this i really am um i just it would be so easy to do this badly Mm, that's true and i don't want to see that uh i I do want to see it do well um but uh, i think at this point uh we've got enough time to do a couple of emails and we've got a couple emails although technically only one of them was an email so when is the last time we did emails uh, a a couple of shows ago now yeah it's been a while 800 years you know guys uh i'm just saying if we get up to to 5k on patreon we could do an entire email episode of the podcast i'm just saying oh. if, you, if you want that uh or if you just want me to do a duck voice the whole time i can do that too that wasn't really a good duck voice but i'll work on it i'll, 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 I'll do my studies on duck voices for you people yeah now we need to do a ttrpg podcast where we're all playing as no, ducks no i'm sure I we refuse. can no, 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 i refuse no, no, no not we're all as ducks no, we're not doing like, howard the duck no we're no, gone we're done we're, we're not we're gonna do this we're gonna do disney we're gonna play as disney characters <laughs> in a role-playing game tabletop version of of kingdom hearts wow now i've made myself cringe oh anyway uh, if you've got a question for the podcast, what uh, about Roxas? Sorry, yes, exactly. 
if you've got a question for the podcast, please, uh, you can go to our Discord. We've got two channels for you. The recently moved up the list uh, podcast, oh, yeah. human podcast questions channel, so it's easier to I, find. I apologize. The- I did rearrange the Discord to make it easier to find things. But if yeah. you are used to looking at things in other places, it could be confusing. But, you know, it, I think it was a good move. I was actually trying to compliment you on it. Uh, also, the the original and still there Patreon Q&A podcast channel, we do look there first for questions, and two of these questions are from there. If you've ever wanted to get me to be embarrassed and talk about things I don't want to talk about, that channel is there, and you can force me to answer your questions or, or to let Joe and Liz answer them while I feel abashed. That's there, too, guys. Become a patron. Uh, anyway... First question here is from 6K, who I believe raids with these two, so they probably mm-hmm. have already heard this. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to try this one. Hold on, let's see. Question for the Q. I know it seems Firak and Vrendeth have split due to his encroaching psychopathy running into her moral perspective. But did we ask ourselves that maybe the real reason is because he's hot and she's cold? And I think that's a Terry, I think that's a, a, a reference to a song, but it I don't know what 100% song. is, and I it, this is classic 6k 6k i'm not healing you tomorrow man like straight up hey, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> i'm complaining over here yeah maybe you're hot maybe you're cold who knows uh i mean it's not a yes it's a no i i don't i don't have a real good answer for this one because it's 6k <laughs> i uh. i just want to say up front i will tell you guys up front yeah we that's not the real reason I, I sometimes just feel like you got to kind of approach Six's stuff with like, you know, stoicism and just say, no, that's not it. And, and you know, I'm you got to be careful because sometimes he just turns into Glorbo. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I am aware. He, he was cool at BlizzCon that one time, though. No, so. he's awesome. We love Six. We love Six. I've only gotten to meet him the one time, so. Uh, but he was cool and I liked him. So there you go. That was his question. Uh, and now we're going to go move on to Tetsemi. Tetsemi. I don't want to say ask a real question because that was a real question. He asked a question that we can kind of actually <laughs> do. So, question for Blizzard Watch Podcast: If technical hurdles were not an issue, what social slash game issues would player housing create, and how would you resolve them? Right now, the major cities seem busy because that's where the auction house, crafting areas, especially with the new professions, and a place to show off your latest mount slash style. But even with instance housing in guild houses, FFXIV still has that same busy feeling. So is the idea that everyone that's idling would just default to their house slash guild house a misnomer? How much less social did garrisons make land warlords feel or did it? I'm going to jump in before I let you guys go okay. and say it definitely made it feel less social. Oh, yeah. Gar- garrisons absolutely did. Uh, now you guys. Garrisons was not player housing. If you want to look at player housing that has been done absolutely fantastically, there are three games that I hold up as sort of the pillar for MMO housing. One is Final Fantasy XIV because the the main cities do still feel busy and bustling because you have to go there to go and do other things. Um, And, you know, as somebody who just randomly hangs out on their bard playing music in the major cities, my house doesn't it's great and it matters but it's and it's my little cool area and i can do whatever i want with it but i'm in the main cities for chilling out and relaxing and maxing all cool um do y'all remember that wonderful space rpg or mmo that we all played called wildstar wildstar player housing <laughs> was absolutely 
insane. It was phenomenal. It was really well done with their system and everything that they did for it. The fact that they added things that you could add to your player housing as rewards from dungeons and content was just pure genius. Um, But you never felt disconnected from the major areas or arteries. And even when you were on your home, like your little floating island plot of land, you could see other floating island plot of lands. Uh, And then the last one didn't have player housing. It had guild housing or super group housing, which was city of heroes. And while it wasn't perfect, Mm. it was absolutely this cool thing where you had a hidden entrance in one of the zones to your super group hideout and you got to decorate it with your super group. Um, And it was, it never took away from everything else that was happening. Atlas Park was still the happening place to be most of the time or any of the community events that were going on. There were still hubs that were still popping off, but you still had this private little thing that you can carve out with your friends in your super group. And you felt that same, like you can decorate it, you can do whatever. And it was great, but it didn't take away from everything. I don't you think know what pl- did it better. Hmm. City of Villains. Well, I mean, the villain, the villain yeah. layers, it was basically the same system, but the villain layer was even better. Well, yeah, because it was villains. So, you got to do yeah. cooler stuff. Yeah, you could. Yeah, this is definitely. where I'll put my alligator pit. Yes. <laughs> but first, <laughs> but first, the lava room. Why do we have a lava room? I don't know. <laughs> Why don't you have a lava room? Like, yeah, it was fantastic. Um, but yeah, those are those are the games that I would hold up as really good examples of player housing that doesn't take away from the busyness of a feel. And they could easily do that with uh, World of Warcraft. I, I I often have said that like guild housing makes more sense in World of Warcraft than player housing does, just because of the way the mm-hmm. world is set up and how everything is sort of like canonically like kind of situated having an area where your guild, your group of heroes sort of carves out or is given from like whatever faction or, or, you know, whatever race you, you want to have it from, like whether it's in, outside of silver moon or wherever it makes more sense. And I think that if you do it where none of the essentials that you need to use are, are located there or possible like the auction house or, or crafting, you're not going to see uh, the cities go dead but guilds will have a really cool place to hang out and and do downtime stuff. And I think that would be really cool. I don't think it's a technical limitation uh, thing that divides that. I think it's just WoW itself is so old that bolting that on will probably break Yogg-Saron again, and they can't do it because <laughs> of that. <laughs> that I, I, I mean, you look at the game wrong and, it, and you break Yogg-Saron. It doesn't take anything. Um. I think the most important thing uh, about player housing is to not have it divorced from the world. And garrisons really were divorced from the world. Though they were a physical location in the world, it was like you walked in there and it was your garrison. It was You never saw anyone else's garrison. And like it was a bit of a disconnect because it's like, okay, we're all going to walk here together. And then suddenly I'm in my garrison, you're in your garrison. And kind of weird, right? Yeah. Remember the original but, plan for that, where they were supposed to, you were supposed to be able to open and close your door to allow players to visit you in your garrison? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of a cool idea. Having, I think you need spaces that exist in the world in some way, even if that's like an instanced area and this is like player housing area over here that you walked off to, but they need to have a physical presence in the world where you can go and explore and see what kind of things people have built. They have to have a way to, you know, share that if you've built something really cool, 
And it didn't seem like Wildstar really let you do so much. And then you were like, you were really compelled to go out and share that and say, hey, friends, this is the cool thing I made in Wildstar. Check it out. And so I think that's part of it. You want to share the experience. Yeah. And you want to be connected to the world around you. And you want to be able to express your creativity and do cool things people haven't done before or unique things and share that with the world. So like I when Raids created to... Rain Beer Road out of beer signs and made a video yeah. about it. Rest, yeah. rest in power, <laughs> Raids. That was one of the best things uh... you ever, that ever happened. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's actually to, that's a good point in terms of what player housing is actually for. Because I think there's a lot to, there's a lot of times people make the mistake of thinking player housing exists so you can have a special little house of your own. No. Player housing exists to make you feel connected to the world. And also to throw really killer uh, like dinner parties and, and embarrass your friends with how, <laughs> how much cool stuff yeah. you have. That's been a tradition since like mm-hmm. the 40s. It's fine. Yeah. But that's, again, part of the whole world investment deal. Because look at when they did the parties in Shadowlands. The parties that they did was one of the few things that I know I heard very few people complain about. I was one of the few. But most people love those things. Mm-hmm. And they loved it because they felt like they were part of this world now. They were doing a social event, even if it was a social event with a bunch of NPCs and they got to hear the NPCs interact and say catty things to each other. Player housing at its core, the the goal of player housing isn't to give you a place to hide from the world. It's to give you a reason to be in the world. Yeah, exactly. Make you feel like you are part of it. So I I do think it could be done. And if you want to know, like just one thing that would have done a great deal to make garrisons not, do, do what they ended up doing don't put all the money in the garrison like don't don't <laughs> do that with new player housing because that was the thing there was no time to leave the garrison yeah you know i had i got chores to do well, yeah because not only that but you like you built your you can build like literally all your crafting stuff you could literally build anything you possibly need from any of the major cities why go back yeah yeah you couldn't leave you didn't have time and you could <laughs> mail everything you could auction everything if you had the engineer deal it was just like yeah and i knew people had like seven eight alts that they were running through every, the garrison over and over again because they were just making gold hand over fist mm-hmm. you know and that's how, a lot of those people skated into battle for azeroth with money they had stayed made going back to mm-hmm. warlords and that money went into the giant you know uh oh. auction mount oh yeah no i got i was gold cap at that point like yeah. warlords warlords i did nothing and got gold cap and i have no idea how i did it like i just never left the garrison yeah exactly you didn't have to so i i definitely think that that's the big issue i don't think there's other social issues you really have to worry about i think we've seen enough games do this that we know the basic stumbling blocks and limitations but it comes down to partially the stuff joe said about you know the game being like uh this is like seriously like trying to like take say you found the titanic and instead of leaving it underground, underwater, you brought it to the surface and tried to bolt a, a, an aircraft carrier onto it. It's like, no, no, what are you insane? It's I've like, seen, oh, I've seen yeah. that Doctor Who episode, Matt. Or, Thank you very much. There's, there's an anime called called in America. It was called Star Blazers. In Japan, it was called Space Battleship Yamato. Yep. And in that in that game, I mean in that in that anime, they literally the Earth's oceans had dried up. They went to the to the the place where the Yamato had been sunk. And they pulled it up and they put a spaceship engine in it and turned yep. it into a spaceship. Yep. Because the Yamato is the biggest battleship humans have ever made. Yep. 
it is the largest battleship that was ever constructed. Um, it was very hard to say. So all that's fine. But again, at the end of the day, you are still flying a battleship into space, guys. This, this is not a great idea. So WoW has that problem. The way to do player housing is to find a way to not be bolting it on. And I think that's one of the reasons you see at BlizzCon, they were talking about all these system changes they're making. Mm-hmm. For the past couple of expansions now, they've been making system changes because they literally want to pull a lot of that stuff out. They want to hollow out old systems that cause Yogg-Saron to break if you sneeze. Yeah. Or, <laughs> you know, and they want to replace it with stuff that think, is designed to do the things people want to do. Think of it as a decades-long untangling of a yarn ball. That's or really if, what if it is. Or if you've ever heard of the money pit. Like that, the movie, the money pit where they yep. get that house and it's just a nightmare. It's like that. You have to really just rip it out in places to do what people want. If people want, like, for example, all the changes they're making to alts to make them alt friendlier and to let you just, you know, play a character and, and play the guy you want and get the benefits. Those changes require significant changes to the game and they're doing it because people want it. And because they're at a stage where it's like either we, we we keep saying you can't have it and you keep wanting it. So obviously telling you you can't have it isn't working. So we're going to have to do the work to give it to you. And I think player housing could absolutely be in that in that group. You could absolutely get player housing from that kind of thing. It just comes down to is that where they're going to put their time? And I, that I can't answer you, but I do think it's a good idea. Uh, I mean, one day we might get the power washer simulator inside of WoW. So I want to hold out for those days. <laughs> but um, I think the last one we're going to actually hold off because this is actually more yeah. of an RPG question. But we're, we're at time anyway. Um, so what I'm going to do here is quickly give it over to Liz so she can kind of do an encapsulated version of what we opened the show with. And then Joe's going to close us out. Uh, so. so just a reminder, again, Blizzard Watch has fallen on some hard times and we need your Patreon support to help us out. Our ad revenue has been dropping. The ad market isn't really great right now. And if you can support us on Patreon, we really appreciate it. It is your support that lets this community thrive and grow. And we need you guys. We're, we're doing everything we can to keep the site going. We aren't going away. We're still here podcasting. We're still here writing. But your support will let us keep doing that. We cannot do this without your support. And we appreciate it so much. If you can support us on Patreon, go to patreon.com forward slash Blizzard Watch and support us. You can get early access to the podcast. You can get an ads-free site experience. And you can get a behind-the-scenes look on what we do at Blizzard Watch every day in Discord. All of those things are, I think they're pretty great. I hope you think they're pretty great, too. Any level of support is greatly appreciated, even if it's just moral support, even if you just share the podcast with a friend or leave a review. All of that helps us, and I am so glad you're here. Thank you. Thank you so much. Joe? I don't know if I can really follow that, but uh, I guess we'll just go with the old classic outro here, because uh, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to your generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. Your continued support means that this podcast-sending community is not only able to thrive and grow, but is able to survive. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy a slew of benefits like early access to our podcast, a better chance of having your question answered on our, on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Okay, thank you, Joe. Uh, thank you to everybody who's been here for this wild ride of a site. Uh, seven years. We've been doing this eight years. Eight years this eight year. Eight years. It's going to be nine years in February. Yeah. in, in Nine less- couple of months nine guys. years 
we'd love to make it to 10 and beyond. So yeah. Uh, you know, go to Patreon, uh, help us out. You know, we do this site because you guys told us we shouldn't let it die when we were back in the day when the other site had to be closed, but not through our efforts, but because of other people's decisions, y'all told us you didn't want us to let it die. And we absolutely have kept that. We, we've, we've done our absolute level best. So, you know, just a little help now will help us keep doing that. So thank you guys very much. Thank you, especially to Liz and Joe, both for being here and for making some announcements and otherwise, you know, helping keep the site and this post this, this podcast going, uh, <laughs> this has been the blizzard watch podcast. Uh, thank you guys very much. And we will be here next week. Absolutely. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.